0: Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the Ball and Mitt Podcast, a willy nilly talk show about baseball, life, and the occasional knee slapper. So grab your crackerjacks, sit back, and relax. It's gonna be a doozy. Here's your host, the Beat Sneaks himself, Brian Bremer. Hey baseball fans, what is going on? Welcome to the Ball Mitt Podcast. I am your host, Brian Brammer, and this is episode 19. So we've got one more until the Epic 20. I don't know if I'm going to do anything special. Probably not. But we'll probably have about one more show next week. Take a break uh, for Christmas, New Year's, all that good stuff. Uh, Maybe try to keep you updated on Twitter. And then we'll pick back up. In 2019, hopefully at that time, I have everything in order to start the On The Hop Daily News uh, podcast slash uh, YouTube show. So still working out the kinks for that. Hopefully we'll get that kick started um, at the beginning of the year. So see you guys next year for that. Now, if you remember, I had Bridget McCauley on the podcast about three weeks ago. And she was telling us about the Arizona Fall League and some of the work that she was doing there. Well, she is actually, since then, she's one of the editors of Belly Up Sports, and she is at the winter meetings right now. She was chosen to participate in the Take the Field conference regarding scouting and reporting. Now, I contacted her to see if she would give the Ball and Mitt crew a shout out from Vegas, but she's tied up, obviously. Uh, I didn't give her enough heads up. I just kind of saw it on Twitter and was like, well, that'd be kind of cool. She can give us a shout out. Uh, That's fine. Maybe she can give us some insider information when she returns, or maybe just some Christmas cookies. That that may be a better deal. Either way, have fun, Bridget. Congratulations on being invited. I really hope that you are gaining a lot of experience, meeting a lot of people, and moving your career forward. This is this is probably an awesome Christmas present for you. So appreciate your work. So, uh, Bridget, what's going on? All right. Now, speaking of the winter meetings, they officially begin today. I think I will wait to go over that because there's a lot of stuff going on, so I don't want to talk about it too much, and then things completely change. So maybe next week's podcast, or I'll ask the Belly Up Baseball contributors to write pieces on the results that occur. I think that could be a good thing. Now, speaking of the Belly Up Sports uh, Baseball contributors, man, I'm killing my transitions today. Uh, Our minor league baseball expert Brian Hansel, uh, he you can find him on Twitter at Hansel Sports, is running a contest. In order to win a Syracuse Chiefs Deion Sanders bobblehead. So, like, retweet, and comment on what made you fall in love with baseball to receive uh, three entries. So, you get an entry for each like, retweet, and comment. So, check out his pinned tweet uh, in order to enter. Now, he's also written an article discussing a crazy idea about whether or not the MLB will do away with traditional team wins and losses in favor of a specific statistic. That determines the real winner. It's really off the wall, hypothetical stuff, but that's what we do at Bellyout Sports. We're be bold, stand out. That's our motto. So, hey, we'll write about anything and everything with good quality, and you guys can respond. We want you guys responding to that. That's probably about all the updates I have for you, real quick. So, are you guys ready? Time for some rapid fire, hardball headlines. We have a lot to talk about before we get to our main topic. And go. Veteran Mike Napoli announced his retirement Saturday. His career spanned over 13 seasons spending time with the Angels, Rangers, Indians, and most widely known, the Boston Red Sox. It's funny, I feel like he played a lot longer than 13 years. Uh, either that or I'm a lot older than I, I feel. I definitely know that's the case. Uh, or, you know, I just can't believe it was 13 years. I really thought it was like a lot longer. And it might have been because he came into the league a little older. Anyway. Uh, The following is what Napoli had to say about his retirement. Thank you fans, coaches, teammates, and the media members and organizations in Anaheim, Texas, Boston, and Cleveland. You supported me, believed in me, and gave me a platform to be successful on and off the field. You helped shape who I am as both a person and a player as I grew up right in front of your eyes. This is the end of my playing career, but the beginning of the next chapter in my professional life... One window closes and another one opens. I look forward to exploring opportunities in the baseball world as I plan to continue giving back to the game that has given me so much. And I think this is a good thing that he wants to stay involved with baseball. Only good things can come from this or when a lot of ex-players want to stay involved in the game, and, and not only their knowledge of the game, but just when they have that type of personality that people gravitate towards. I think that's that's positive. Uh, for the sport and also for the casual fan. Letting them, letting them know, hey, these baseball players, yeah, they're athletes, but they're, they're just like you and I. Red Sox have settled on terms with Nathan Eovaldi, and he is guaranteed $68 million over four years. Now, his performance in this year's playoffs certainly contributed to this deal. And I think it's a win for both uh, player and team. It's really just a matter of a couple more lockups for Boston's bullpen, and they're going to be the heavy favorites going into the 19, uh, 2019 season. Uh, they, you know, they still have a couple of things up in the air. Maybe some some bullpen moves, and they're not really losing much. And I think they can only get better. So this is a good move for Boston and Ian Voldy. According to ESPN, Nationals owner Mark Lerner says he does not, all right, does not expect Bryce Harper to return to Washington. After telling the superstar outfielder that the team maxed out its offer at the end of the regular season. It's funny because people thought that was just a number they were throwing out to see if he would bite, but apparently that's all they're going to offer him. As of now, at least that's what they're telling us, the public. Lerner has this to say. I really don't expect him to come back at this point. I think they've decided to move on. Uh, Bryce and Boris. There's just too much money out there that he'd be leaving on the table. That's just not Mr. Boris's M.O. to leave money on the table. Really? Shocking news. I don't think that shocking news part was not part of the quote. I don't think, and this is this is me, I don't think he's going to be signed during the winter meetings, and I don't think he will be wearing pinstripes. Well, not the blue pinstripes, anyway, if you know what I'm getting at. There's no way he's willing to shave off that beard. So we actually, I, I posted a poll. By the time you listen to this, the poll will be closed. It was only for 24 hours. On who do you think will be signed during or by the end of the winter meetings, and I think I had Harper, Machado, Keichel. Man, I can't, I can't remember the last player. But I, lo- I think the percentage there's only about 30, 40 votes so far. It's about sixty percent, I think, is is Machado. So that was, that was actually kind of surprising. I don't think anybody's going to be signed, uh, during or before the ending of uh, the winter meetings. But that could, we've been surprised already, so that could happen. NBC Sports reports that Cardinals backstop... I don't know why backstop. Okay, that's just silly. Their catcher, Yadier Molina, is scheduled to undergo knee surgery sometime next week. Uh, And this is what Brian Stoll of St. Louis Baseball Weekly says. The procedure is described as cleaning of the knee. Uh, really medical term there, right? It's expected to be relatively minor and should have Molina back on his feet again within several weeks. Now, Yadier, he hasn't had any history of knee issues... Uh, but anytime you go under for surgery, it can, it can be a little nerving. I would know as of recently, it's not always fun. You always have some thoughts running through your head. You know, what if this happens? What if that happens? So thoughts and prayers for a normal and painless recovery. Now, Tim Tebow is one step closer from the show, says Mets GM. score.com quotes Brody, the, the Mets GM, as saying, I believe that if Tim is good enough to help us out at the major league level, he'll play there. Okay, that makes sense, That goes without saying. Continuing the quote, he's not going to want a courtesy shot at the big leagues. Uh, Although, me me answering my opinion again, although I I believe him getting an opportunity at the single A level was a courtesy shot. Regardless of what he's done now, he got a courtesy shot. Anyway, continuing. He's not going to want a courtesy shot at the big leagues. He's going to have to earn it. If Tim Tebow is the best offensive player in AAA, he's going to be in the lineup. Now, only time will tell. I personally think he is one of those players, this is me, that will move up and down from AAA to the majors throughout his career. I don't think he's going to become a mainstay at the major league level. But regardless, kudos for the success that he's already had going from one sport to the next. I mean, he hadn't played baseball since high school. That's impressive. It really is impressive. Regardless of what you think, that is impressive. Now, speaking of playing two sports, again, I'm killing these transitions. Oakland A's prospect and Oklahoma starting quarterback, Kyler Murray, has won the Heisman Trophy. You're thinking, well, this is a baseball podcast. Well, yes, I'm getting there. However, he is committed to playing baseball. So our best friend and humble servant, Scott Boris, has this to say about Murray. Kyler has agreed, and the Oakland A's agreed, to a baseball contract that gave him permission to play college football through the end of the collegiate season. After that, he is under contract to play baseball. That is not a a determination to make. It's already done. The interesting thing is I could have sworn, okay, this is me, I could have sworn that I read somewhere, okay, I'm being real specific here, that Murray does not deserve the Heisman Because he is going on to play baseball. Now, I know this isn't just made up because I still have a splitting migraine due to the idiocy of this comment. Completely unrelated. It does not matter who you think should have won. The point is going to play baseball instead is not an argument it doesn't matter what he's going to do it's about what he, what he did and you get a, an award for that now yes I have read about Murray's resurfaced I put that in air quotes resurfaced yeah like it was an accident about his comments he made when he was a teenager what's my opinion on this? I'll give you a, a quick opinion okay a dumb thing said by a dumb kid he apologized it's a non-story moving on Yassiel Puig is having a temper tantrum. Again, shocker. He is disgruntled at being constantly used in the platooning system that Dave Roberts utilizes. His teammates seem to be okay with with being, you know, platooning. So Puig uh, Puig should be as well. Now, he's a free agent after the end of uh, 2019 season, so it's a strong possibility, very strong, that he could be traded during this offseason. So, Mr. Puig, if you want to be the everyday starter... On a stacked team, you got to show that you deserve it. And frankly, you can't do that. So keep bat-flipping singles and wagging your tongue as you try to find the right uniform that goes with your eyes, because Dodger Blue isn't flattering. Ex-Marlins president David Sampson said that Barry Bonds was the worst hitting coach of my career. Now, before I clickbait you into false news, Sampson continues to kind of explain that comment. Do you know why Magic Johnson was a bad coach? Sampson said he didn't have patience for people who didn't see the court the way he saw it. Barry Bonds can't teach hitting because he just hits. You can't teach someone what Barry Bonds is able to do, therefore you're a bad hitting coach. This doesn't make him a bad guy or a bad player. But you still chose to phrase things the way you did before that explanation. So do with that as you want. TheScore.com wrote an article about two days ago talking about how MLB teams are exploring ways to boost attendance. The Oakland A's are actually being uh, quite forward, quite forward-thinking in this regard. They are offering a new package called A's Access. This package allows fans to purchase reserved seats for a set number of games, but still have access to the ballpark's unreserved seating in social areas for all other games. Now, this may not appeal to those who value the traditional experience of a reserved seat and the community they build around it, but many younger fans are seeking a wider social circle at the stadium. Okay, that's the end of the quote. I actually like this idea. Baseball games are an experience, not just a spectator event. With a minimum of 81 games a year, teams need to convince the fans, albeit casual or core, that each game experience can be different. This will drive more to come watch the the game at the ballpark, and it's going to be interesting to see how other MLB teams implement something similar. You have to this is this isn't part of like pace of play or giving more action to the game, but it is a little bit of presenting more action at the ballpark, which could help move a Manfred's idea of balls in play. It could help move that forward if they're excited to be at the ballpark. So then you got, you're halfway there. You've got them there. They're having a good time. Now let's make the product even better so their experience can grow as well. And finally, in some unfortunate news, Angels infielder Luis Valbuena and former Pirates infielder Jose Castilla were killed in a car crash Thursday night. According to Maria Torres of the LA Times, four suspects have been arrested. Now, the state governor says that the two players were the victims of criminals who toss rocks onto the road in order to cause cars to crash so that they can then rob the passengers. Rob Manfred had this to say about the incident. This is a very sad day for our sport as we mourn the deaths of Luis Valbueno and Jose Castilla. It is clear by all the stories today that they loved baseball and made an impact on their teammates and the clubs they represented. On behalf of Major League Baseball, I extend my deepest condolences to their families, friends, and fans, particularly those in their native Venezuela. Thoughts and prayers go out to the family, to your friends and others that are affected by this tragic news. Vabuena was thirty-three and Castilla was thirty-seven. I believe a moment of silence is is definitely in order. Welcome to this week's Knuckleball Trivia. I actually enjoyed giving the trivia question in the middle of the episode and then revealing the answer later on in the episode. I really think that that helps. I think it moves things along. It eliminates the cheaters, and it may truly separate the men from the boys. Now, slightly related is my releasing the weekly episode on a Monday rather than a Friday. So, last week, I released the episode on a Monday— And I saw an immediate difference. So last week's episode got as many downloads or listens in one week than an episode I had posted two weeks ago. Now, of course, this could have been because that episode went to the dogs, but I'd like to be more optimistic. All right, so I digress. So here's this week's question. Might be a little simple, but here we go. A line drive. This is a situation, and there's kind of a question at the end or or a command. A line drive hits the pitcher's mound and ricochets into the first base dugout. Your job is to place the batter on the correct base. All right, I'm going to repeat it. A line drive hits the pitcher's mound and ricochets into the first base dugout. Place the batter on the correct base. Again, remember, I'm revealing the answer at the end of the episode, so you probably have about 15 minutes, but of course I said that last week, and I went on for like 30 minutes, so, you know... Maybe you'll get a little more time. Okay, so now it's time for the topic you've been waiting on. Let's get to it. What I'd like to spend the rest of this episode talking about is the shift. Okay, so not simply just shifting an outfield or your position players to the left or the right into double play position or moving up, moving them up because the plays at the plate or anything like that. This is the shift where you will bring almost sometimes always, four players from the left side of second base to the right side. Because it's usually on these left-handed pull hitters. Because left-handers pull the ball more than the right-handers do. That's just that's just the nature of being a lefty. So, I've actually... So, I actually post- posted... I, I do some posting for Belly Up uh, Baseball, our, our Twitter account. So, I actually put up, for 24 hours, the shift. Is it... Strategic or cheating? And cheating might not have been the the best word to use, but I think people understood what I meant by it. So there ended up being like 202 votes, so that's not bad at all. And the result was lopsided. You know, the shift is 85% strategic, and then 15% said it's, it's cheating. Now, I don't know what episode it was. I think I mentioned it in like episode four or five, you know, when I was when i was young and ignorant in podcasting and now that i've grown and i've flourished um if you if you can't understand that sarcasm then good luck listening to this um so i'm going to i'm going to be serious but obviously sprinkle it with some opinion and, and that kind of good stuff but i really want to be objective about this as much as i can so i've actually mentioned it i think in episode 4 or 5 in a very flippant way so i want to dive into it deeper my my views could have changed slightly i like the interaction that I have with people on Twitter, on Reddit, uh, you know, at the bars, watching a game, just discussing these types of evolutions of the game. And so Jason Stark for The Athletic. Seems like a lot of people are, are leaving to go right for The Athletic. I have a subscription for it. It's it's good stuff. This is, the, this is the title of his article that he wrote on December the 5th. It said, what would happen if baseball killed the shift? Support for the idea is building inside the game. Rob Manfred, actually, one of the first questions back in 2015 when he took the the job from C League, he sat down with is it Carl Ravish, I think? Yeah, I think it was Carl Ravish. And one of the questions he asked him was about the shift. And Rob Manfred was, I want to eliminate it. There's no qualifying comments. He just thinks it's a big issue for. The pace of play and the action during the game. Now, I do want to say pace of play in my mind is different than action during the game. If there is plenty of action, if there is a ton of balls in play and the game is still four hours long, I'm okay with that. I don't think length of the game is the issue. I think it's the time spent where nothing is going on. And so that that could be, and, I, and that may very well be what pace of play is. And I could be ignorant to that, but but I do think it's two separate issues. So maybe it's synonymous with, you know, it comes underneath the heading of pace of play. But I do think there are things that need to be tackled differently. So you may, if you make the sport, if you make anything exciting, people are going to want to hang out as long as they can. You have to go to a concert and people will show up before and they stay afterwards because they love the experience. Even though the concert's over, it's the experience. So you make the product good, people are going to stay longer and you won't have to worry about the length. It's kind of solved itself in the amount of action going on during those nine innings. So Rob Manfred is very adamant about getting rid of the shift. They've even been saying that it's getting some strong backing to put something in place. The problem is they haven't talked about what they would put in place. And I'm afraid they have decided to do it for this coming year which could be a possibility it's just going to be a bunch of you know policies put in place that aren't going to make any sense and we're going to have to backtrack on this issue like don't ever institute something without thoroughly thinking it through and i don't think one offseason, even though they've been talking about it in the past and i'm sure they've had conversations behind closed doors I, you know have a proposal if this is going to this is going to change things drastically take your time with it not forever But if you're going to come out with a proposal, make it good. Don't just slop it together. So anyway, the biggest reason for the shift, and it's funny how people say players don't like it as hitters because they certainly have no problem being a part of the shift when they're on defense. I haven't asked them, hey, do you like you know third baseman? Do you like playing right behind the second base uh, bag? We haven't asked that question, but... It's funny, like we all hate Tom Brady, <laughs> I think. Or let's 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 be let's not be as specific. We hate the Patriots. Why? And I know a lot of people say, because I cheated. Stop. Why do we hate the Patriots? Because they're good. Uh, as a Steeler fan, why do I hate the Ravens? Because they're a threat. So we, we hate the things that are threats to us. We're scared of the things that could harm us or defeat us. And we don't like those things that are better than we are. And so as a hitter, they don't like the shift because it makes them not look as good of a player or a batter. So, of course, they're going to hate it, even though in the back of their mind, they're like, this is smart. I don't want to have to learn to hit the ball the other way, so I hate it. it it's it's kind of, it's childish, but I don't want to get too granular on a lot of this, but here's the basic idea. That putting all of your infielders on the right side is killing the average and effectiveness for your pool hitters. And in essence, what it's doing is it's slowing down the game because instead of getting a base hit, they're trying to launch the ball over the shift and therefore either hitting a you know, straight pop-up or a strikeout or, or it's a home run. And, and home runs don't happen every inning. They're starting to happen more often because people are taking chances. Those that, and myself, when I was in this camp, you notice I said win because, because my mind's changing. It, it's really changing. Uh, by a lot of conversations I've had with you guys and just listening to the other side and how there's not much they can offer, it's changing. And as of right now, I don't think the shift, get, you know, getting rid of the shift is really going to change anything. There's there's really not a problem. The problem isn't the shift. I think the problem are uh, is with the players. So I remember watching the Orioles back in, like, it was probably about the mid-90s because I was still on about seven in the early 90s. So I knew who the popular players were. But I really wasn't focusing too much on the nuances. And so I remember a lot of those play: Eric Davis, Brady Anderson, Mark Devereaux, uh, Jeffrey Hammonds, Roberto Alomar. They were all, like, they had their positions they played, but they all seemed to be pretty, fairly athletic. And now we put someone at first base to extend their career. And then we make them a DH in the American League to extend it even further and we put those that aren't again as agile aside from like Manny Machado when he was at third or Aaron Nolan or Aaron Otto or I think Chapman for the A's we usually put a third baseman you know Pablo Sandoval who can't move because you know you don't have to have much range as long as you have a good arm and and you can block the ball with whatever body part in your glove and so now we've come into this era where we've got so many players that are so specifically skilled not widely skilled but specifically where they will play this position and this one only. I mean, we're already seeing it in the bullpen, where someone will come in for one batter and one batter only. You want to pick up the pace of play? Forget the whole five limits, uh, five um, mound visit limit. Put a limit on the amount of relievers you can use. Then you're going to implement more strategy, and we're not going to have so many pauses, but that's, that's for a different conversation. And so now when we have players like Paul Goldschmidt and Javier Baez, who can, if you needed them to, they could play any position. Mookie Betts. I felt like it was like that more in the 90s than it was through the 2000s, as far as, you know, 2000 to 2010. And now we're starting to see uh, these more of these just straight-up athletes playing the game. And you, and you see how they hit the ball all over the field. I think they're going to be uh, the most desired commodity. I'm not saying sluggers are going to go away. Sluggers are always going to be here. And they're, and they're here to stay. But, I mean, you, you look at someone like Albert Pujols. He, he spreads the, the ball out. And I don't know who's all behind getting rid of the shift. But I don't think that's the issue. So what's happening is if you get rid of the shift, it opens up you know both sides of second base, third band third base and shortstop, and then second and first. It opens that up so it allows more balls to go through. Now we could go through a ton of stats and how how many times that the shift is occurring per pitch per year. I I really don't think it's it's not just the just the shift. There's there's other factors included on this. And so if it's not just the shift, then why are we going to correct just the shift? You know, if it's part of a bigger problem, let's come up with a solution that addresses all of the parts of that bigger problem. So Jason Stark, he uh, let me try to find it here real quick. And this this was interesting. They did some analysis, some hypotheticals, and said that about 500 more hits per season, most of them singles, would occur if we got rid of the shift. You take, um, let's see, every team plays 162 games, but there's two teams per game. So you have to divide that by two, and then you divide that by 500. It came out to be about five hits extra per game. Now, if we span that over a one hit extra one inning, so if there's no, and here's the thing, if there's no one on base, those singles... Don't do much. Now, if there are players on base, so you can't predict that part. Like, if we weren't trying to predict that, it's definitely not going to work. So 500 more hits per season, and that averages about the five per game, so what? Who cares? That's not enough to, to create banning the shift. Now, I'm a I'm a purist. I, I enjoy the traditions of baseball. But I'm slowly starting to understand that I can embrace some of these changes If we're going to think about them logically and not just do them to appease one side or the other, there has to be a reason why we make these changes. And so I think all of the evidence, and I'm sure you've all read Jason Stark's article. I think everything that we read here, there's good analysis, there's stats and all this types of stuff, but it's hindsight. You know, when we do sabermetrics for players, we're talking about what they can produce on the field. So we've we've seen it. Here, we're trying to predict what will happen if we change a rule. So we have yet to see that evidence. We're just theorizing. And I think it's very dangerous to, to make a rule based on just theories and hypotheticals and things that we haven't been able to track. I've even heard some say, hey, let's just give it a shot. No, you don't give something like this a shot. You no, know, Maybe like your best friend, if you want to date them, like, hey, you know, I like you. You like me. Oh, you're kind of cute. You're kind of cute, too. Oh, we know each other's parents. Let's give it a shot. No. You don't do that. That never works out by the way. But you don't just give, you don't just give the shift a shot. It's something that you need to think about and have everything laid out before you implement it because you're 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 trying to fix something that's not broken. The defense isn't broken. I think it's the offensive's not even their inability but their unwillingness to adapt. And you're asking players, you know, to actually work harder and to adjust to a changing working environment if we're going to use business language. Here's, here's the thing, and then I want to move on to another idea of this, maybe the other side, because there's been some other solutions that I also don't think are feasible. I do not think you'll see more balls in action if you you move, you remove the shift. I don't think, if anything, they're going to be singles, and it's hard to string. I've heard many people say it's hard to string two, three singles against some of these pitchers that are in the, in the league right now. And so we'll we'll talk about that in a second. I don't think it's going to deter hitters from changing their launch angle. There's always a launch angle. I mean, if you see a line drive go through the infield and you saw where, it, where the ball contacted the bat and then where it was when it went over the second baseman or the short stops ahead, it's at an angle. So there's a launch angle in your swings. We're talking more uppercuts. And and you know what? If they can't beat the the shift and their batting average and their statistics start to go down, you better believe they're going to make some adjustments so that there's still some value. And then when it comes free agent time, it's it's not the shift. I I, I don't think it should be banned. At one point, I thought it should have been. You know, and I think mainly that arg- that argument was I just didn't want to see the evolution that's happening in the game. And I'm slowly, slowly, but surely, embracing these changes as long as they don't mess with the fabric of the game. I think banning the shift actually, that actually seems to be something that modern players would have, or modern fans would have asked for because it's revolutionary. You're, you're banning a strategy. That would seem to be something that the younger generation wouldn't want to do, and the purists would be like, oh no, this is this is good, you know, let's, let's shift. We do it all the time. But now, it's funny, the 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 purists, the traditionalists, are the ones wanting to ban the shift, getting rid of, like, good strategy. I, it's it's funny. It seems like the the roles have been reversed in this uh, debate. I, I don't I, I think strikeouts are going to maybe stay the same. I think there's some other ways to solve that. I think home run, people trying to hit home runs are gonna remain the same. The amount of runs scored and, and balls in play are going to remain the same whether you get rid of the shift or implement it. It's it's not gonna make that much of a difference. And there's no indication or evidence. It's funny, is all of those that want to ban the shift, all they have is hypothetical. This could happen. That could happen. There's there's no proof right now. There's not. Now, the other side of this is some are saying, you know, it's not the strategy put in play. It's the pitchers. It is the the pitching. It's just too good right now. It's It's dominant. And so back in the day, I forget what year it was, but they lowered the mound. So there are some that say we should lower the mound or back it up a foot. I find this interesting because... No one wants to ban the shift because it's going to give an advantage to the offense. But if we lower the mound or back it up, that is going to be a hindrance to the defense. So it's like, if the shift gets banned, what we're doing is we're saying, Hey, the offensive players that only can pull, we're catering towards you. But if you lower the mound or back it up, aren't we then saying, man, you awesome pitchers. It doesn't matter how good you are. We're now going to cater to the offense. Like, so I don't understand. It seems hypocritical to me, not, not as not as bad as the term hypocrite is usually used. But I'm not for handicapping offense or defense to solve an issue. I do think the pitchers are really really good. I think moving the mound back one foot, I think it 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 could be detrimental to some of the health of the pitchers, with all the different release angles and windups. You're really asking them to to do. To do a lot more. I know it's just one foot backwards, but I really think that's a big difference. You're you're asking a lot of pitchers to change their whole delivery. Now, I understand if you do it now, then all the younger pitchers coming up, they're going to get used to that. And and the ones that's really affecting are those that are like in the middle of their career towards the end. I understand that. Change has to happen sometime. But I think it could be less drastic than that. I'm not all about super big changes immediately. I think we've seen that in other sports, and it hasn't gone over well, in my opinion. Uh, Lowering the mound? Perhaps. I, I I'm not for that either, but if we have to, I'd rather it be if it's gotta be one and not both, it's lowering it. What I suggest is to get more balls in play, to have there be more action in between pitches. I think we should do something with the strike zone. Now again, it seems like I'm asking something big because then we have to depend upon the umpires to make the adjustment properly, and that could take years. But whether you widen it so that the batters swing at more pitches, therefore make more contact. And a lot of times if you've got a ball on the outside, you're going to slap hit it more and you're going to see more opposite field hits. I, I think, I really think you'd see that. Or you could shrink it to where the pitchers have to throw the ball in the middle of the plate more often and so hitters are going to swing. I don't know which way to go about it. There, there's both sides, but I think if you want more balls in play, let's which, which change the strike zone. That, that's my recommendation. Again, it could be completely off. Uh, I've given it some thought, not a ton of thought, but saying that the issue of baseball today is because of the shift is a cop-out. And it's weird. I would never would have said this a couple of months ago. I wouldn't have. I'm reading here uh, slate.com and one of the comments by uh, Owen Poindexter, he says this strikeouts, not the shifts are the real issue. And if MLB wants fewer of those, it will have to consider more drastic changes. So I want to go in on what those changes he's talked about. I really think it's, you know, the mound, pulling it back. So the pitchers are super dominant. Why? I don't know. It's easier to sling a ball than it is to hit one. I, I don't know. I'm not, And I'm not going to pretend like I know. But I think there's something there. Let's not penalize defensive strategy. But let's maybe take away the advantage that some of these new pitchers have because their skill is far exceeding something we ever anticipated. I do think throwing a baseball, now effectively and consistently making it do all the moves and you know, curves and you know, hitting the corners, that kind of stuff, I'm not saying that's easy, but I think it's easier to throw a baseball than it is to hit a ball that's doing all the unnecessary moving around, knuckling and everything. I think the skill of hitting is harder than the skill of throwing. So we're looking for a balance here. I think a pitcher can still be dominant if you make adjustments. But that's not a that's not an issue of strategy by a team. That's more or less handicapping a particular player's ridiculous talent. Either solution is not good. It doesn't sound good. It sounds it, it sounds bad on paper. But if we're going to make a change, I'd rather see it with the pitcher than with the defense as a whole. I was reading another article on Yahoo Sports, okay, by Mark Townsend. And he was talking about well, if we do implement a banning the shift. Where where do, they, where do the players play? Are we going to then do like instant replay to determine was his toe over or beyond the second base bag when the pitcher threw the ball? I mean, are we going to get that granular? You have to. You have to because then I think games will be played under protest because, you know, one manager's like, hey, that would have been a, a single up the middle if he was playing where he should have been playing and you didn't call it. It's just, it creates more problems than it does solve issues. I don't think there's anything wrong with the shift. I think for a while, I didn't like it for the same reason the batters didn't like it. As an Orioles fan, we had a very offensive heavy game plan and and everybody wants to see those awesome home runs going mile high and over the wall. Like It's awesome for the moment, but I don't think it's smart for the longevity of the game. And my mind has, just like we're trying to blame the shift, my mind has shifted on shifting. So that could be a hashtag. Let's shift the shift. No? Worth a shot. I know this was kind of all over the place. There's so many different factors I could have gotten into, so many different things I could have read to you. I tried to, you know, tackle this one at a time, but I want to present this like we're having a conversation, although you're not here to talk back to me, so it's like a it's like a really messy monologue, but hopefully you guys were able to follow. Hopefully you can see where I'm coming uh, through this, what I think is going to happen, what, I, what do I think is going to happen, and what do I think should happen right now. What I think is going to happen is the shift is gonna get banned. I really think it's gonna happen. And then a couple of years from now we're gonna see this isn't doing anything. So either we unban the shift or we're gonna add in another rule that we just have to police. Unfortunately, I th- I think the shift is gonna get banned. By the way what Rob Manford is talking, I think it's gonna happen. What do I think should happen, you know, in the immediate future, like right now, uh nothing. I don't I don't think anything should happen. Let's just leave it the way it is. Pitcher against batter, batter against uh, defense, and you grind it out and you win just like the Red Sox did. I I don't think you should touch the game right now. I just don't. Not enough evidence. It's just going to cause more issues. Uh, There hasn't been a a well-thought-out proposal for what the rules would be and what the policies would be if you uh, ban the shift. There's just so many questions right now that it's, it's silly. It's asinine to make an adjustment. All right, guys, it's all I've got on that topic. So let's go ahead and reveal our knuckleball trivia and close out the show. Appreciate your time. All right, our question, the knuckleball trivia. Here is the answer. A line drive hits the pitcher's mound and ricochets into the first base dugout. Place the batter on the correct base. You don't put him anywhere. It's a foul ball. This 19th episode of the Ballman Podcast has been brought to you by the Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Follow us at bellyupsports.com for all the latest NFL, NBA, NHL, and MLB news. Appreciate your time. Have an awesome week. I will see you uh, never because this is audio. Listen to you later. See you. Well, folks, that's a wrap. This has been a Ball and Fit podcast production. Take a gander at our website and remember to follow us on Twitter and subscribe to the show. Thank you for tuning in. Farewell, baseball fans.